You're listening to Seeing and Believing, a film and television podcast that searches for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. And I am the future version of Kevin McLenathan, visiting from the decades hence to warn you about dark and terrible things that await you in the years to come. Oh no, Kevin, is it is it global warming? Is it a meteorite? Is it aliens? What is it? No, worse. Adam Sandler is going to do another five-film exclusive deal with Netflix. Oh no, and they're all going to be Transformers films. Harrowing, harrowing stuff. <laughs> Listeners, today we review the new Amazon Prime film. It's directed by Chris McKay, The Tomorrow War. We also had some listeners write in to tell us about some good things possibly in our future that are related to films, so stay tuned for that on this episode, episode 296 of Seeing and Believing. There are 50 to 60 armed men and women standing on the pitch. You tapped in. Good copy. It's okay. We are you. 30 years in the future. It's okay, sweetie. We are fighting a war. Our enemy is not human. And we are losing. In 11 months' time, all human beings in the future will be wiped from the face of the earth unless you help us. Yes, listeners, we are here with episode 298. We're going to get into Chris McKay's The Tomorrow War here in just a moment. We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. It's another week. Another opportunity to talk about film, the good, the bad, the ugly. Who knows, Kevin? We'll see here in just a moment. And the people that make that possible are our Patreon supporters. You who support us, keep the show going. If you'd like to support us, just hop on over to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast. A number of great donation levels. One of those that we really love around here is the what can you buy for $5 level. You get a lot of perks and it also begs the question, Kevin, what can someone buy for five bucks? Five bucks would help you achieve the suspiciously ripped look that Chris Pratt has been sporting over the last few years in his career. It's uh, get, you know one of those uh, special back massagers, mm. but apparently it helps tone your, your muscles somehow. The science behind it is unclear, but for $5, what do you have to lose? <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? Those those little things on TV and they were they were like these pulse things you put on your on your abs and you like turn on the machine and it like twitches them and it's supposed to give you a stick six uh-huh. pack. D- do those actually work? Did anybody get a six pack from those? I, I mean, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll throw that out to our listeners. Listeners, if you have had any success stories related to those things, Please let us know. I know that I've I've seen uh, my own strange contraptions on late night infomercials. Uh, there was one where you basically like put a uh, like a belt or a sash around your midsection, mm-hmm. and you just stand in front of this machine, and it kind of like uh, moves the sash back and forth. Sort of like I guess the friction is supposed to rub <laughs> away some of your some of your cellulite. I again. Science is unclear, but mm. we'd also be interested to know if there are any success stories that grew out of that 
particular contraption. I mean, it's worth a shot, right? Even if you don't get a six pack, but you spent $5 and you got a five pack. I mean, it's it's worth it in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, as long as you don't also end up with some serious abrasions, <laughs> that could also be you know, the downside. But, you know, who are we to stand in the way of progress? Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if that machine was invented by the chiropractors of America. Don't know if that's a real group. And it... <laughs> put your spine out of place and so they always have business because of that i don't know i'm just i'm spitballing here <laughs> well tr- truly the future is is now everyone and if for five dollars you could get one of these wonder machines or you could help us keep the lights on here on seeing and believing we really appreciate that we always really appreciate it, though even if you aren't uh, a patron uh, we do appreciate hearing from from our listeners just with just uh, you know various film related things they've been thinking about or would recommend. And we've got a couple of tweets this week to share. One of them comes from Seth T. Hani. He was responding to our review of Pixar's Luca from a couple weeks back, and he wanted to know if we had seen Yuasa lose over the wall. It's, he says, it's my favorite take on a sea monster coming up on land to hang out in a small village. I believe it's on Netflix. It's great for family, and the dub is pretty solid, especially for the singing. So thanks so much, Seth, for writing in with that recommendation. I had not heard of it, but I am going to maybe check that out one of these days if I'm looking for something you know, kind of nice and summery. Sounds pretty good. We also heard from listener Lindsay Dunn. Uh, she has a recommendation for a uh, an apple tv documentary that i believe is not out yet but is coming out soon it's titled the girl who wore freedom Lindsay just says i want more film critics to review this and you know just really wants to get more attention for that so i don't know if we're going to have time wait on our schedule to fit a review of that film in but you can check it out on uh twitter the girl who wore freedom again is is the title you can check out the film on there or just hit up google and see more information about it looks pretty interesting if you're especially if you're looking for something to kind of give you a little bit more patriotic uh feelings Mm. uh in the wake of the fourth of july yeah fourth of july was pretty relaxing got to watch some movies and hope our listeners can take some recommendations maybe the next holiday they watch some of these films just go to patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore podcast to support us on our patreon page and then like kevin mentioned you can tweet us with recommendations at cbeliefpod at cbeliefpod or email us seeing and believing capc at gmail.com so i mentioned kevin i watched some movies over this holiday weekend and according to some statistics 2.41 million people watched the film that we are about to review they streamed it on amazon prime the film is directed by chris mckay with a script by zach dean here's the movie's official synopsis the world is stunned when a group of time travelers arrive from the year 2051 to deliver an urgent message. 30 years in the future, mankind is losing a global war against a deadly alien species. A family man, played by Chris Pratt, 
is drafted to fight in this future war, where the fate of humanity relies on his ability to confront the past. The film also stars Ivan Strahovski and J.K. Simmons and Sam Richardson. Kevin, you were one of those 2.41 million individuals, along with myself, who saw this film. And I... I'm a little worried where this review is going to head, so we should just probably get it out right now. What did you think about this film? Will it go down as one of the science fiction great movies of our time, or do you just wish it would go down? It would disappear. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it this way. I very much wish that I was not one of the 2.41 million <laughs> people who watched this movie. I, I I don't think it's a very good film. I will say that probably the 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 greatest benefit I got from from my time with the Tomorrow War was a renewed appreciation for the filmmaking of James Cameron. And, you know, you know, I was a little bit down on Avatar when it came out. I still don't think Avatar's a great film. Um, and, you know, they're, they're over the years, especially as we've gotten more and more distance from the last time Cameron released one of his, you know, big sci-fi blockbusters. It's been easy to kind of like, go, oh, you know, he's just kind of a, he's a blockbuster filmmaker. They're fun, but there's not really anything to them. They're not, you know, you know, you've, you've seen one sci-fi blockbuster, you've seen them all. It's easy to kind of take him for granted in that way. But having watched The Tomorrow War, it really has given me a renewed appreciation for what Cameron can do behind the camera. Because, you know, at first glance, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with this film. It's got a a pretty interesting, you know, time travel premise. Uh, It's got a a likable cast, especially I'm, I'm a big fan of Sam Richardson these days. He's a really funny guy. I liked him in, in HBO's Veep. He's really good in the sketch comedy show. I think you should leave with uh, Tim Robinson. Uh, I, he, he's a really interesting, funny guy, and I'm glad to see him kind of up and coming and in more things. Um, I think there's some interesting things that this film has in the subtext about fatalism and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and just the ways that combat can traumatize people and the way that trauma can really change the course of their lives. Chris McKay, uh, the director and Zach Dean, the writer just don't really seem to have any idea of how to like marshal that into a film that feels cohesive and not like it's just sort of cobbled together out of lots of different elements. And I brought up James Cameron because, you know, if you put the basic premise of say the Terminator side by side with the tomorrow war, you know, there's not that much difference between them. Both kind of have, you know, there, there's some, some quote unquote cheesier elements to both. There's kind of the same sort of big blockbuster sci-fi action feel to both coupled with, you know, both the, the fun part of summer movies and also parts that really want to be more serious minded about the whole thing. But the Terminator is just a stone cold classic of sci-fi action, whereas the Tomorrow War is going to kind of be in the dustbin of history. And I think that really is a testament to Cameron's instincts and his ability to shape even what might seem very cheesy material into something much greater than the sum of its parts. 
You know, I think you're right in many ways, Kevin. And it you compare this movie to something like The Terminator. And of course, this doesn't come across very well. I don't think this movie is a great movie. I I think there are some really poor scenes here. I think a lot of people just might not dig it. But I have to say, I actually I actually liked this film and I liked it quite a bit. And it really is me still acknowledging warts and all that there's something here. And I I'm trying to kind of put my finger on the positive aspects of the movie. I think that Chris Pratt isn't necessarily the the best individual for this role. He has a limited emotional range just in general. And the same could be said here. But I still cared about the character and some of the work put in to his relationship and his daughter, uh, their relationship together, really, I don't know, just kind of locked me in. And so... I watched this movie. I thought it was super entertaining, super, super tense, and surprisingly, uh, kind of felt emotional at times. And I think there's kind of a parable here. The best way to probably describe it is uh, you could compare it to one of those uh, sci-fi television channel original movies. I don't know if they still make them. Used to make them back in the day. Just real, just not great. This is like a prestige version of that. It doesn't have the best script. It isn't super smart. It wants to be a little bit higher concept and it you just can't really think about the plot. You can't really think about the time travel elements. And yet, I found it to be a pretty entertaining movie. So I, I liked it. I'm glad that I watched it. And I might, you know, in the next few months, oh, maybe watch okay. it again. I so, don't know. so this is interesting to me because it's been a while, I think, since we've had a movie where there's been a big gulf in, in the reactions between you and me. Like we, we often, you know, find ourselves simpatico in a lot of things. And so so it's been a while where, you know, I've you know, one of us has really disliked something. The other one has has, you know, had a good time with it or even really liked it. So I, I'm really curious to drill down deep into this because, you know, there like I said, there are parts of this film that I do. I do like there's a moment uh, in the at the beginning of the third act, I guess, where um, the so the, the basic premise, you know, uh, Pratt's character, Dan Forrester, goes, you know, goes to the future because there's there's this war going on with this alien species. And uh, the, the basic idea is that people go from our time, go forward into time to fight in this war for a week and then after their seven days have elapsed they're they're allowed they're automatically zapped back to to our own time and there's a moment where we kind of see uh pratt come come back from his his tour and we see his reaction to the world around him and the way that he sees even his own family the way that uh his perspective on them has been you know altered forever because of the things that he saw, uh, the the people that he met in the future, um, and and what happened during his tour there, and for about two minutes, I, I I began to think, okay, maybe this is kind of what the movie is about. Maybe this is 
going to be the nugget that's all kind of been moving towards the the idea that uh, knowing the future or having experienced the future in some way can it, it can be a curse <laughs> uh, more so than something interesting. And I, and I was like, okay, I I'm I'm kind of willing to be won back by by this film because up to that point I was kind of you know a little checked out, um, but I was I was willing to be won back and. For those two minutes, I was kind of dialed in, and then the film kind of was like, "Okay, we're done with that. We're going to have this this kind of weird action coda where you know we go to Siberia, and it kind of turns into this overlong, loud action fest that um, I don't think is particularly all that tense because there, there's a lot of plot logic that I found to be wanting. But even more than that, it was just disappointing to feel like the film." had had an interesting idea and it seemed as if McKay and Dean were primarily interested in just sort of throwing that out there as like, oh, we we have this idea, but just merely suggesting it is going to be enough. We're not, not actually going to explore it at all. And I feel like that's kind of the film in a nutshell is there are interesting elements, but the film either is unable to find a way to explore them in an engaging way or simply isn't interested in exploring them and just kind of wants to make lots of noise and shoot lots of aliens and and be done in two and a half hours and either way it's just it for me it was a really disappointing experience so i'm curious to hear more from you about like since you, obviously your experience is really different i really i'm interested in in uh in hearing more from from you about that i'm not going into a movie like this expecting it to profoundly change my perspective or illuminate some sort of theme in a huge way. And I don't think you are either. Uh, I mean, I, I want to feel these characters and I would love for some of these concepts to come alive. And in that sense, I think it did work. There is a relationship here, like I mentioned, between Chris Pratt and his, his daughter. And in the future, there's a scene that takes place on a beach there there are revelations he learns about his personal future from the perspective of our present day and i felt like that hit pretty well it said something about how we perceive ourselves in the present and what we believe about our relationships around us and yet how capable we are to change. And we see little bits and pieces of that. And I, I, th- I thought it did a fine job in the moment of highlighting that theme. And then also, I think global warming is kind of a big thing. Even more than that, though, the idea of how, how does the present affect the future? And... What sacrifices would we make now if we knew what was going to be what was going to happen in 30 years? And I think that film is it's not hit too hard, but I think it it hits pretty well. We see characters making sacrifices because they want to stop something from happening. They want to they want to they want to fix the future, if you will. And we see glimpses of that throughout the film, and I think it works. And there's this one scene that I think hits it incredibly well. Uh, the characters are kind of in the future for the first time, and the logic is is weird. Like, like I said, you can't think about it too much. 
characters are sent into the future with little or no training and it just it feels counterintuitive it's like why why would you do that when yeah it's just don't think about it too much um but there's a scene where a couple of average citizens are extremely brave and sacrifice themselves for other characters and i didn't expect any of that to hit because we don't know these characters too well but it did and i actually found myself to be to 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 emotionally connect to that moment and i think it connects to just like the larger ideas of what sacrifice is too great for the future is there a sacrifice that is too great and can we afford to just ignore the world around us and just pass it on to our children. So some of those things I think worked really well. And I got, like I said, I got kind of got choked up at times uh, with these relationships with families and this overall idea of, of, of what do we do to just kind of cope? Like how do we, how do we cope knowing what could come? And perhaps, you know, just kind of going through COVID um, those themes are especially pertinent. But yeah, I think the film kind of hits it. Does it hit it like it could? No, but I think it's sprinkled throughout and we get some really good moments that I, yeah, I connected I, to. Man, I, I wish I could have connected with those moments the way that you did because they are there. I, I don't mean to suggest that this is just a, you know, like a a Sharknado or something where it's just, you know, it's obvious that everybody's just cashing a paycheck and just not interested in anything in you know any ideas at all um i think the problem for me is just uh, again in the execution so that moment you're talking about where there, there are these two average citizens who sacrifice themselves well i i sense that this is you know mckay is really trying to to make you feel something for those two characters in that moment the the problem for me is there's there's kind of a gap all right Be, uh between the the people who these characters are when we're first introduced to them and then the the people that they've become when they decide to sacrifice themselves there's maybe like i don't know five maybe ten minutes of of screen time between one and the other and during that time we don't really get to see these characters change you don't really get a sense for okay well how did uh this how did these people go from like you know average suburbanites say to people who are willing to you know stand in the middle of a road and fire a gun at an oncoming horde of aliens until they die like what what was it what switch got flipped to cause that change and presumably it did get flipped somewhere but we don't get to see that happen and so for me when i when i watched that moment i knew that the film wanted me to feel something but because it felt rather arbitrary and glossed over it was impossible for me to really connect with the the emotions that were clearly trying to be elicited. There's that moment uh, on the beach that you also mentioned where we kind of get a sense for the way that Chris Pratt's life is is uh, going to go once his tour is over. And again, it's 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 like the 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 outline of an interesting character moment where he's forced to, to reckon with elements of of himself that he may not have known were there but because it's not really set up in any way it's just kind of a sudden revelation and because it doesn't really 
get paid off in any meaningful way at the end. I just, I felt like it was something that was kind of injected to have some melodrama, which it's nice to have those moments, but if it's not really, if there's no scaffolding around it to really make it feel earned, it, it, I guess for me, it just, it falls flat. And I, I think this is where, you know, uh, I, my reference to Cameron kind of maybe makes a little bit more sense is that I feel like Cameron has really good instincts for building that scaffolding so even though his characters may not be, you know, Tolstoy characters, they still feel like when there are these big emotional beats, it does feel like, okay, I understand how we got to this point and where we might go from here. And it feels satisfying in a way that that this doesn't. And I don't know if that has to do with Cameron's ability to shape a screenplay or maybe his instinct for pacing and kind of cutting out anything that doesn't really feed into that stream. But Whatever the case, I'm just not seeing it here in the Tomorrow War. And I I wish I did, but I just don't. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it it it, it, it isn't James Cameron. And it it I think it overall it works. It doesn't it isn't, you know, Oscar worthy, but I think the idea of Chris Pratt's character being one way and he finds out that something happens and it changes everything. He didn't expect it. Life was going well. And I think that feeds into the overall idea of the movie that that we just kind of close ourselves off from the world and we think, oh, everything's kind of going well. And then the world falls apart. The future falls apart. And so characters making changes that are abrupt, I think, feed into the overall aspect of the movie. I'll also say this too. One one reason that I like the movie is I just found I found these action sequences pretty intense. They aren't filmed as well as something um, that we see in F nine, but I found them to be a, even even more captivating. And one way that I think McKay does this, especially with the aliens, is is the build up. So these characters are going to the future. We don't know anything about these aliens we don't see these aliens we don't know if they're poisonous we don't know if they're big they're small they're fast they're slow we just don't know are they more human than animal or animal than human and so there's this buildup, and then when we see the creatures and i think the cgi design is is pretty good and these insect-like beings are so difficult to stop uh i i found myself you know pretty pretty captivated i found the scenes pretty pretty tense throughout the film and i thought that mckay while his camera work isn't always excellent uh he definitely knows how to use these creatures to create that tension and so we see that kind of throughout the movie because there's this kind of center section in the film where we are just in the future and the big you know, the big deal is the aliens. And so I think that that works pretty pretty well overall and adds to my overall enjoyment of the movie. I just, I found it to be, I don't know, just pretty entertaining. And it's kind of a surprise because I didn't expect really to like it, but I did care about these characters. And the film is really kind of about survival. And I think McKay does a, a good job of just, of just, watching these characters survive like it's just not easy it feels impossible 
and and I think that's that's a part of the allure of the story here. I I do appreciate uh, how the the film does. You know, I like I said, I don't think it executes very well, but I appreciate how it kind of um, examines what I think is an element that's intrinsic to a lot of time travel stories, which is the the idea of um, you know a fatalism of, of destiny, the idea that uh, you, you know is is kind of your entire future laid out before you, and you can't help but kind of go through the motions. Um, are are there is is there anything that you can do to change your own future? Is or is it kind of is your destiny sort of written into your programming and you're kind of doomed to to act it out? Um, is it possible to be surprised by humanity? And I think that that's that's a compelling element as as far as it goes. There are you know multiple characters. Uh, you know we we find out that one of the soldiers is uh, at, you know knows that he's going to either die in the war. Or he's going to die of natural causes very soon. So either way, he he knows that he is going. To, he his days are numbered, and the way that his character is kind of sketched out, you know, there, there's some some potential there for examining, you know, what what does give our lives meaning and why, you know, what why why do we keep on living in in the face of existential threats? Which is you know, it, it's compelling, especially in an age of climate change. You know, that's that's compelling inherently to think about i don't like i said i don't think it's executed very well it, it's not really uh, yeah mckay and 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 his screenwriter are kind of content to just sort of sketch it out and just leave it there and let us kind of color it in if we feel so inclined but it is there and i i appreciate that um i i wish that there had been maybe some more um more compelling filmmaking choices to at least, you know, if we if we don't have the themes really sketched out with a lot of care, at least maybe the visually would be interesting. I don't think that there's a whole lot here. I I'm not a huge fan of Larry Fong's uh cinematography. It just feels kind of overlit and doesn't use the the creature design to its best effect. I like the design of the creatures. There's, you know, definitely elements of you know everything from alien to a quiet place and the kind of the way these these creatures move and are designed and i think they're interesting i just don't know that they're really shot in a way that makes them feel threatening in the same way that the creatures from those other films i mentioned are i feel like the the score from lauren balfay could have it's it's just kind of noisy militaristic music which is fine for some scenes but i think it becomes overpowering and there are moments where i kind of just wanted it to settle down a little bit and let let some of the other elements kind of breathe a little bit and and have their own effects apart from just sort of the percussion and horns but you know that that might be a little bit more subjective <laughs> you know you talk about character uh, design we need to talk about uh, character design uh, jk simmons is jacked in this film <laughs> It is ridiculous. He is been oh. working out, preparing for this role for years, I guess. Oh man, he he looks good. I, <laughs> I gotta say, I mean, J.K. Every movie like this that gets J.K. Simmons in there needs to get on their get down on their knees and thank him profusely for being in their movie because he is never less than immensely entertaining to watch he's just a really interesting actor i liked seeing him kind of play this this beefy kind of ex you know ex-marine guy like this this veteran who's just 
very manly man kind of working in his 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 greasy garage by himself and just it's it's a lot of fun to see simmons do that and I don't know. He's just, he's so watchable. I love seeing him. <laughs> it's great. He's 66 years old and in better shape than I will ever be. It is. Oh, absolutely. It uh, is speaking for myself as well. <laughs> and so I, you know, just elements like that in the movie, it's just this, it's the movie's kind of nuts. And I, I will say, uh, you know, there's some over the top sentimentality and it's funny because the film, the film's, I feel like concerned with two things, the action sequences and these interesting character relational moments. Everything else is just kind of whatever. So how does the time travel work? Why they train or don't train soldiers a certain way? Uh, the sequence where they find a toxin for alien, you know, all these things. It's just too fast. It's not done well. And yet the film just kind of likes to spend some time where characters are talking about their relationships and they just kind of they talk about them and s the dialogue is is okay but i don't know that it, it's just it's funny to see that happen and then of course the action sequences but yeah i mean it's i agree with a lot of the things you're saying with the score and the cinematography but there is just kind of something in this movie that did captivate me and maybe it's just because it was a good july 4th watch maybe that's it uh, just a fun action movie but i yeah i appreciated it listeners that's our review of the tomorrow war are you one of the 2.41 million individuals and counting who have seen it we would love to get your thoughts on this disagreement are you team wade did you like the movie or Team Kevin, wish you hadn't had watched it. Uh, send us your thoughts at cbeliefpod, at cbeliefpod, or seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. Kevin, we have reached the end of our show, and at this point, we recommend something from the world of television and or film to our listeners. What would you like to recommend today? Well, you you, you did bring up that you found the, the Tomorrow War to be a, a really serviceable kind of... Uh, summer blockbuster you know watch and i when i was coming up with a recommendation for this week i was thinking about okay well what, what's a really good summer movie and you know a lot a lot of the films that first occurred to me i was like well i don't really want to recommend those because you know everybody's already seen those movies already but then i thought okay but there's a there is a film from 2009 that i think is really good at capturing a particular kind of summer experience for regular people and i'm thinking of the uh film written and directed by greg matola adventureland uh this is uh, a movie it's set in 1987 it stars jesse eisenberg as uh a a college grad who's you know he's he's out of college he doesn't really know what to do with his life and he can't really afford to live on his own so he moves back to his hometown and gets kind of this dead-end job working at an amusement park, kind of as one of those, you know, amusement park attendees who just is very bored and is running a theme park ride all day or running one of the booths all day. And this film is just kind of about what that first aimless summer after a big milestone might feel like. And I think Matola does 
such a wonderful job of capturing that peculiar brand of of aimlessness and youthful disaffection while also capturing the fact that, you know, Eisenberg's character, it's not all over for him. He is kind of just embarking on his on the rest of his life. The question is, what is that life going to look like for him? And that's kind of what the the film explores over the course of its runtime. I think it's really good. It's got a, a really good cast as well. In addition to Eisenberg, you've got Kristen Stewart, Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig, Martin Starr, just it's really funny. It's really touching. I think it's really good. And I think it's a very good summer watch. So definitely check that out if you're in the mood for some more, uh, you know, day, some things to watch when you're kind of indoors in the AC on a hot summer. <laughs> no, I've, I've always wanted to watch that movie. And I've seen it on various streaming sites, you know, here and there. And I, I've never actually gotten the time to do it. So I, I should I should do that. That sounds like a fun. It just sounds like a nice, easy movie to watch. Uh, something that's just kind of cool. I I went with a movie, Kevin, that I think a lot of people have seen, but I just love this movie so much. And I I assume we've probably talked about this before. It was released the year before a podcast started in 2014. It was it hit theaters. And it made my top 10. And every time I watch it, I like it more and more. And so Priscilla's family, they were in town. We watched The Tomorrow War. And I said, hey, have y'all seen Edge of Tomorrow? And of course, Priscilla's seen it. But they were like, no. And I was like, okay, if you liked The Tomorrow War, we're going to a different tomorrow universe and we're gonna watch edge of tomorrow and so we we watched it and i just i love that movie it stars tom cruise and emily blunt it's about a soldier fighting aliens and his day starts over after he dies and he must team up with emily blunt to stop the aliens it's just a i mean it's just a great movie the action scenes are filmed incredibly well. Doug uh, Lehman does a nice job of of hitting certain scenes and we just we don't know how many times Cruz has lived that scene, his character. And you'll figure out, you know, he's been there, oh man, he's been there a dozen times. And you just you don't really know that. So there's this aspect of of mystery, but it's just a great action movie. The character development is done really well. Emily Blunt is incredible. Uh, so for individuals who haven't seen or have seen, I guess, The Tomorrow War, you didn't like it. If you want something to kind of get you going again, it that also has Tomorrow in the title and it's also about aliens, you got to check out 2014's Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, I, I prefer to think of it not as the Tomorrow Cinematic Universe, but maybe the Groundhog Day Cinematic Universe. I like to go. think that... You know, Edge of Tomorrow, Groundhog Day, and uh, last year's Palm Springs all exist in in the same universe, and you know they're they're probably like maybe some of them read about the other stories in the news one day. Just that makes me happy to think. That, so. <laughs> oh so, no, that's, that's great. That's what I have to say about that. <laughs> no, I love, I love, I love those types of stories. Yeah, I mean, and just Edge of Tomorrow. It's I would if they could make movies like that all day. And I would see them over and over again. It's just kind of my, like, it's just my, it's one of my movies. Like, it's for me. And so I really like it. Listeners, once again, make sure to tweet us at cbeliefpod. Email us, seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. 
recommend movies to us, respond to our reviews. We love to get your thoughts. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. It's brought to you by ChristandPopCulture.com. Our producer is Jonathan Clausen, who every week helps us to search for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. My co-host is Kevin McLenathan. And until next time, this is Seeing and Believing. We'll see you later. You have been listening to Seeing and Believing, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Alexander Osborne and Lindsay Miz, used under Creative Commons License 3.0.